Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip a podcast about political decision-making during a racial revolution and an election. Stay tuned as we analyze Canadian news and Black issues on a weekly basis. And if you like what you hear as we keep you informed about Election 44, please subscribe. On this week's episode, we review the first and only English debate that happened on September 9th. It was a shit show. Still, (laughs) we're going to break it down for you, and hopefully that will give you some perspective in the final stretch of the election. And to help us do it, joining us today is friend of the drip, Kofi Ashampong, principal lawyer and government relations advisor at Ashampong Law. As a lawyer, Kofi's practice focuses on general matters in civil administration, human rights, and criminal law. In government relations, he focuses on providing support to nonprofits and groups that traditionally lack access to government. Prior to joining Ashampong Law, he was senior policy and stakeholder relations advisor to three Ontario ministers and governments led by former premiers Dalton McGuinty and Kathleen Wynne. Kofi has extensive experience advising senior officials and office holders in public and private institutions concerning public policy, legal precedent, strategic decision making and equity issues. Most recently, he was a lead advisor to the Minister of Government and Consumer Services on the development of SME procurement, debt services legislation, and wireless communications policies. He was also lead on development of the Delegated Administrative Authority model and principal liaison assisting with the World Bank's efforts to lower global remittance fees. He also led efforts within the Ontario Liberal Party to increase diversity at various levels of the party. Prior to working with the Ontario government, Kofi was a consultant to the ED of International Lawyers and Economists Against Poverty, formerly based in Toronto. While there, he drafted memos for publications on issues pertaining to the World Trade Organization's GATS negotiations during the Doha Round and and its impact on the LDCs and Africa Group states. He also reviewed papers and provided analysis on economic needs tests and regional economic partnerships. Kofi completed his JD at Osgoode Hall Law School in 2010 and interned in the school's Poverty Law Intensive Program at Parkdale Community Legal Clinic, where he worked for eight months in the Workers' Rights Division. Kofi also interned at the African Union in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, in 2008, where he focused on good governance and merging of the African Court of Justice and the African Court of Human and People's Rights. Mm-hmm. A proud son of Ghana. Kofi sits on the boards of Youth Employment Services, Canadian Muslim Lawyers Association, and the Black Muslim Initiative. He's also in high demand, having appeared as a commentator on Canadian politics for the CBC, CP24, CTV, Real News, Brandon Gomez, and now The Drip. Woo! (laughs) And we're honored to have him join us. Well, by the accounts I've seen from some journalists and political analysts, none of the leaders 
on debate night really spoke to younger voters, despite the fact that millennial and Gen Z Canadians make up 40% of the population. We're, we're literally the biggest voting bloc. Why do you think party leaders overlooked us on debate night? Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know. I don't know if I would, I would necessarily agree that we were overlooked again. <laughs> no, 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 patience. I feel, I feel, feel free to contradict me, but here's, here's why, right? When we're talking about, you know, the government's affordable housing strategy, right? They're talking about letting a first time home buyer save up $40,000 tax-free, use it, use it for uh, uh, a, a deposit. They're, they're talking about um, rent to own, right? Um, mm-hmm. Opportunities, right? Um, uh, you know, that they believe will allow people to, 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 you know, move from being renters. A lot of millennial, millennials who, you know, we can't buy homes, right? We're having to rent, right? And, and yeah. we, we can, you know, well, a lot of us are, are looking at condos and you can, you can potentially through, this, through their strategy, you know, enter into an agreement with your landlord uh, on a rent to own uh, program that the, mm-hmm. the federal government is going to support. Uh, and create legislation to to help enforce. So, you know, um, you know, uh, national childcare, of course, uh, is is huge, right? I mean, that's something mm-hmm. that you know people who are starting older millennials who are starting uh, families uh, and and don't want to have to check out of the, of the workforce, right? Well, can take a, a advantage of again going back to housing. Some of some of the, uh, the the policies around housing to try and open up some of the supply side issues by uh, by banning bla- uh, blind bidding, moratoriums on foreign purchases, uh, foreign buyers. Those things are, are are speaking in a way to uh, to millennials, right? Mm-hmm. Who are who are trying to get their leg up. The other thing too is, I mean, they are kind of resting on their laurels a little bit, believing that they've done enough for millennials to believe that, hey, we're the government that I'm talking about the liberals now, rather. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we're the government. We're the government that had your back, right? Uh, you know, we we supported students. We we paused interest payments. We brought in CERB. Like they, they kind of, I think, kind of just feel like, listen. You guys understand what we did to ensure, you know, you didn't fall into abject poverty. And, yeah. and, and in, in a way, we want you guys to help us stay in power, so speaking of the liberals rather, so that we can continue working on, on ensuring recoveries and whatnot. But uh, did they speak directly to younger Canadians, uh, millennials in particular? I don't think, I don't think that um, I, 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 I heard that. But of course, indirectly, again, you do have policies that uh, this comes into play. The other thing, of course, is that millennials tend to be very concerned about climate change. Mm. Right? Uh, which dominated a lot of the conversation, right? So, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. millennials care about climate change, right? Um, in ways that uh, older, the older generation, you know, aren't, aren't particularly always uh, as, as focused on. So, you know, they, they, they might feel like these conversations are naturally conversations that millennials are having. Uh, and so we don't have to explicitly sort of, you know, put bells, whistles around, hey, this conversation applies to, uh, you know, to you guys. But uh, happy to hear your, your thoughts, patients. What, what what struck me, I'm not sure if you guys remember this moment, but I, I, I went to sleep thinking about this moment when they asked, um, I, I don't remember who the second asker, the, the second person presenting the questions was at that point. It wasn't. I think it was Rosie Barton. Rose, it was Rosie. Okay. So Rosie came and she, she her follow-up to, to, to Jagmeet Singh was, what's more important, helping young people get homes or helping old people um, using the equity from their homes to retire? Right. And... Like, I found that to be a very d- difficult question to ask, but also, like, it, th- it's an impossible question to answer. Yeah. But yeah. also, I was, I was also a little bit frustrated that the NDP, that is clearly the Gen Z millennial party of choice, right. that they, they couldn't really take take a position as firmly as, as they wanted to. I know Jagmeet Singh eventually said, 
you know, the boomers are worried about the Gen Zs and the millennials as well. So, you know, like, you know, we're doing what the people want. Yeah. That's saying that, that they can do both. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but really like someone needs to care about us. Nobody cares about us as, as they're kind of like primary. We're the apple of nobody's eye. That's right. And and as much as we were talking, you know, affordability, we're talking about housing, that is as much about millennials and Gen Zs as it is about older boomers and how how are they going to survive on OAS? Mm-hmm. They can't survive on OAS. They can't pay their property taxes. So if they have homes that are whatever, worth um, two, three million dollars, they now can't afford their property taxes because they're priced out. Like the, the long-term care is, is an absolute disaster. So affordability was as much about seniors and older boomers as it was about millennials and, and, and Gen Zs. And, and th- that made me feel really uncomfortable because I feel we're the ones who are going to get dropped. Yeah. And in terms of answering your, your initial question, why do you think party leaders overlooked us last night? I think they don't believe we're going to go to the polls. I don't I, think that they think we're going to vote. It's really unfortunate. I mean, I, I agree with both of you and it's... I, Kofi, as you were speaking to begin with you, I mean, I, I was thinking, this is how I know he's a, he's a strong like analyst, right? Um, because I did the, the exact same thing where it's like, we're looking at the policies and how they affect different demographics. And so if you do that, as Kofi just explained, yes, it's very clear that there are policies from every party, quite frankly, that do speak to millennials and even Gen Z. Uh, we even did a breakdown of this with uh, the chair of the Black Chamber of Commerce last week, Christophe Francois. Mm-hmm. At the same time, as Patience pointed out, like Patience, that was a really apt example because I think it put into perspective how condescending. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> right? How condescending the entire like rationale of the question was. Mm-hmm. So we have Rosie, a Gen Xer, asking about the difference between, you know, older people and equity in their homes versus helping younger people to get a home in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We have a whole bunch of Gen Xers on stage answering yep. the question. Yep. We have a Gen Xer moderating the debate. Yep. We typically have Gen Xers that are paying attention to the actual debate overall. So like when you consider all of those things, it is clear there was zero or limited interest in talking to 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 millennials and 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 younger. And and even to the point of Jigmeet talking about climate change. You would expect and I think, Patience, you kind of already said this, but you would have expected him to have a much better position to mm-hmm. articulate. And he just couldn't do that. And especially when you consider that the NDP is typically the party of wonky policy and being able to truly just blah, spit it out. He, he couldn't do that. And, and that's, yeah, it just speaks to the fact that we were not top of mind. Yeah, no, I, I, I really think... Um... You know, I think there was a there was a moment, right, where she kind of she kind of gave him the opportunity to kind of expand, uh, mm-hmm. speaking to Jagmeet. And uh, you know, I think he kind of felt fell flat a little bit. Yeah, right? man. Yeah. I again like again, I, I like Jagmeet, you know. Uh, you know, I, I uh, you know, although I worked for the Liberals, Jagmeet Jagmeet's campaign, his first provincial campaign was the first campaign I ever worked on in politics. Mm. Interesting. So, yeah, and so you know, I went to law school with his with his brother Garatin, who's also an MPP. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, I, I, I've been around him as well. He's also a lawyer, you know, so he's, he's, he's someone who, uh, connects with people very well. No question. That, that's his strength. Jagmeet can connect with people at an emotional level, uh, that feels a lot more authentic than most politicians. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that comes, comes across, right. That's, that's part of who he is fundamentally. But when it comes to articulating, you know, uh, sharp, well thought out policies 
and contrasting them with, you know, what the liberal position is or the NDP or the uh, conservative position is, that's just not his strong suit. You see, Kofi, how you were talking about how Anime Paul centered her own lived experiences when she was talking about policy. Yeah. Like, she talks about her brother in Alberta. She talks about, like, Jagmeet Singh is married to a millennial who was pregnant with her first child. <laughs> Why not? You know what I mean? What, fam, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you not talking about how you, like, your child is going to be born and is going to need to to use childcare? And that's why, you, you, you know, you want to use the, the liberal plan with some additional bells and whistles. Why are you not talking about how your wife is, you know, 31 years old and, you know, has struggled with all of these things at the same, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it's, why are you missing so many opportunities to do this? And I, I think it's intentional. I think he, he really wants to appear but, older but than you, he is. But you, or... but you know what, though, patients, I mean, like, I think there, if you, you, you guys have to correct me if you've, you've seen other poll numbers, but he does well amongst this younger generation of millennials, right? Like, Oh, he, no question. He, Course, yeah, he comes across that he's their he's their choice. So that's right. So he has to he has to appeal to a new audience. He has those he mm. has, he has those people in the bag, right? Uh, yeah, he has to convince true. older Canadians, right, that listen, I'm competent enough. You can trust me with your money, with your pension, mm-hmm. right, with the finances of this country. I'm not the old you know pie in the sky NDP. You know, uh, you know that you're 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 accustomed to. I'm somebody who can really manage this country and can manage it uh, better than Trudeau has. And so, you, you know, I'm, I'm better than him in, in that respect. But it's a tall order for him, I think, to, to demonstrate that. And without him really, I think, getting into the nitty gritty details a bit more and extrapolating from his plan, uh, from the NDP's plan, what is really different and better. And quite frankly, I, I, I don't know if it's because they were kind of caught off guard. I don't think they were caught off guard. They knew an election was coming for months. But it just doesn't seem to me that they have really articulated a very different vi- vision. And it just seems to me like, you know, if Jagmeet becomes prime minister, uh, he's going to take whatever the liberals are doing, try and, you know, you know add a few things here and there uh, yeah. and go with it without, without explicitly saying that. So to me, I think, I think, you know, there are different ways that he can set himself apart. You know, I think, for example, when it comes to, um, I think, uh, an anime, when it comes to sort of affordability and, uh, and cost of living stuff, like she's, she's saying like, look, we are... We're centering ourselves around this basic income idea, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know yeah. that that's a real contrast, right? From from what we're what we're we're seeing, right? That's a that's a whole of economy approach to dealing with multiple social issues, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like you know that is an explicit policy that differentiates her form of sort of social reform and economic reform from the Trudeau Liberals. And I I, I feel like you know Jagmeet still hasn't really. Uh, identified to me what's really that different other than the fact that yeah he's he says i'm not as corrupt as trudeau i'm yeah i'm gonna tax the tax the wealthy and rich yeah it's eat the rich it's eat the rich that's all it is ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <laughs> Let's eat the yeah, I mean, like to, to your point, to both of your points, but uh, patients you brought up um, uh, his answer around childcare, right? It's yeah. funny because he actually did stay. He, he put his wife front and center saying, hey, my wife's pregnant. She's about to have a child. So, you know, this is really important to us. It's it's really interesting, though, that he didn't actually go into detail. He was pushed to go into detail. And to Kofi's point, he, he didn't, he wouldn't. He probably couldn't because what that would expose is that he's basically running on the liberal plan. Mm-hmm. There actually yeah. is no yeah. NDP yeah. childcare yeah. plan. So there's not much for him to say. So that's probably yeah. a part of it, too. So, to start, in your opinion, how close are we to a Prime Minister O'Toole instead of a Prime Minister Justin Trudeau? And finally, do you have any last thoughts to our viewers on the importance of voting, the importance of this election, and what's at stake? I think we're, we are very close to uh, Prime Minister O'Toole. Hmm. I think that this, you know, again, you know, I, I, again, I, I've, I've worked with the Liberals, you know, uh, I've met the Prime Minister a number of times and, you know, you know, I had a chance to consult on different things. And I, I think being Prime Minister is, is a difficult job, right? Mm-hmm. Like I said to you before, I think we all, we all hopped on this, you know, when you, when you worked in politics a little bit and you've seen behind the scenes, you, you kind of learn a little bit about the reality of it all, right? And, and most people who aren't, aren't that close to politics, they find it kind of like, you know, just a bastion of hypocrisy and, and whatnot. Right. But it, it's a recognized place of like theater and like effectively, you know, for lack of a better expression, degrees of hypocrisy. Right. Mm-hmm. Every single party leader, if you were to analyze what they're saying, you'll find contradictions in their policies, in the decision making. Uh, I think that's what, you know, people like Jack Beat is facing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why he's he's uh, silent. His, his climate change policy, what he'll do with um, pipelines isn't entirely clear. This is why he's equivocal on Quebec, you just kind of have to adapt a multifaceted approach that's going to always be a bit inconsistent at times, right? Yeah. Uh, and so you, you you live with that. That's the, you know, the warts that come with politics, right? But to a certain extent, politics is not rational and it's emotional, mm-hmm. right? And that emotion is oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes what, what carries somebody into power. The emotion that people are uh, dealing with at this point, this is just my, my analysis, is this sense of why am I being put in a position to have to choose and sacrifice when I didn't have to? I've already been ch- ch- sacrificing over the course of the last 18 months. I've already been hearing every day government tell me what I need to do, not seeing my loved ones, go and get vaccinated, go and do this. And I understand I put the, I put the good of this uh, of the other people ahead of me. That's why, you know, I think, uh, you know, over 85 percent of Canadians have gotten their first vaccine. And, you know, we're, we're well on track to you know getting this country entirely vaccinated. Right. People mm-hmm. have. People have listened to government, allowed Big Brother to step in, understanding that there's greater issues at stake here, right? Mm-hmm. But then an election is called for what seems to be absolutely no reason. And it seems to be somewhat contradictory to the government's narrative of we got to put other people first. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it seems like it's completely, and I get it. Again, this is probably polling numbers. I told the liberals and consultants telling them, guys, you know, you haven't been this popular for a long time. This is the <laughs> That's time. what I saw. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so go out and call an election. But, but you completely misread people's appreciation of you for doing their job, your job, and the belief that somehow they want to, you know, make themselves uncomfortable and reorient their concerns, you know, coming into fall. 
to make sure that you're still in power. That's not, that wasn't the case. And so I think, I think that's the, ultimately the emotion that is going to ride uh, O'Toole into power. People are not going to look closely uh, at the fact that, listen, this guy threatens to potentially upend $10 a day childcare, which is revolutionary for this country. Yes. Right. Uh, he's threatening to rip up all these emergency supports, right? Yes. Which is which has helped people, you know, stave off like uh, you know poverty and losing their homes. And you know, he's 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 talking about you know a climate change policy and plan that's going to arguably, you know, maybe take us back, you know, to Harper days that uh, you know are in are in uh, disaccordance with what the UN climate change uh, panel had just put out, right? Especially since we're now looking to increase our targets. He's actually looking to take us further back since the targets we just implemented. Absolutely, right? And also knowing that, look, he's, he understands that he can't campaign too much to the right and, and has to appeal to a broader se- se- section of Canadians uh, within this party. So there's a, there's a lot at stake, but people don't, people don't pay attention to those kinds of things. Uh, when when they're in when they're facing hardship, when they feel aggrieved, and I I really feel like as much as the prime minister is doing his best to articulate that I had to go out and get a mandate from 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 the public uh, because I was being met with some some obstruction here and there, even though I was getting my you know seventy hundred billion dollar budgets passed, and I, it doesn't it doesn't square, and so because of that, again you know you know it's it, I could be wrong, but because of that. Those people who let him hang on last time, dealing with a very unpopular leader in Andrew Scheer, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to be as motivated this time mm-hmm. around. And I think that that lack of motivation is going to eat up into into liberal support and potentially put us, uh, you know, into into a position of of uh, a conservative minority government. The question, however, is who is going to um, be that uh, minority par- uh, government partner for the conservatives? Right. Is Jagmeet going to be backing a conservative prime minister? Hmm. He's open. Yeah, he's opened the door, at least in terms of some of the public statements he's made. But that might be progressive suicide for the NDP. Exactly. Right. Uh, so it is, is it the bloc who's going to be uh, backing them? It's a real question uh, in terms of who's going to do that. Otherwise, the other thing is, if it's the liberals, if somehow Trudeau gets just enough votes to you know, bring back the government, potentially with reduced seats, Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's gonna potentially have to rely on the NDP. Mm-hmm. Will he reject a Jagmeet call for a coalition government like he did last time? Right, mm-hmm. you know, can Jagmeet say, "Look, man, you you went out to get to get a mandate, and you can only become prime minister. I'm the kingmaker now, but I need this to be a I need this to be a coalition government, formally or informally. Somehow, I need to get some guarantees here. So, you know, it's it really it really you know remains to be seen. But uh, I I really think that. Conservatives are, are feeling that, you know, we have a wounded liberal party, a wounded leader, and we have a chance to really take back the country for lack of a better expression. Uh, and so uh, without a, a strong rationale for uh, why people needed to get up and go and go and vote, it seems like you're forcing us to go and vote when you didn't need we didn't need to go and vote. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think just like Kofi, that we're there's a real threat of a conservative minority government here and. My advice to everyone is like go and vote. Like the, the, everybody needs to be as pragmatic as possible. Yes. Look at your riding. <laughs> what is happening in your riding, and vote for the party that you think will beat the conservatives. Quite frankly, that, that's- yo, quite frankly <laughs> like if y'all don't know how to do that, reach out to Patience and I. If y'all don't know me, but, like reach out to Patience. Patience will connect us. Like we will make it yes. happen. It's important. Yeah. 
Yeah, because this is scary. Like, like especially, you know, to, to, to one of the, the, the points that, that Kofi made a little bit later in his argument, especially as we're, we're, we're trying to deal with this whole, like, vaccination or reopening the economy or reopening our society. I mean, we, we've already seen O'Toole, like, swing left, but that guy's going to swing right back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's right. going to go all the way right. And I don't know what that looks like, yeah. you know? I don't know if... If that looks like more police presence, I don't know if that looks like more guns or, or different types of, of guns as, as they, you know, talk about repealing that legislation. It, it's it's scary times. So um, I know, like, it, it seems like the enemy of your... Enemy what, what is, is your what friend. <laughs> yeah, but the, the conservatives are still your enemy, so let's just vote in a very pragmatic way. Yeah. What do you think, Curtis? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, Kofi, I, I appreciate your rationale, your perspectives. And, and generally speaking, I actually agree with everything you stated about Aaron O'Toole and, and why he has a strong chance. But I still do not think he's going to be prime minister. Mm-hmm. Um, the data that I'm seeing in particular shows that he just doesn't have the capacity to pick up the seats where he needs to. I won't go into detail here, but yeah. he doesn't have the capacity to pick up the seats where he needs to. And in no. fact, he stands to lose some seats to the liberals, mm. even in Alberta. That's great news. Um, now, the, the the one caveat there, as it always is, is that we're, you know, the, today as we're recording, it is Sunday. We still have eight days left before the actual election. Uh, and anything can happen in there. And then what we also know, as we've kind of alluded to through this conversation, at least in the beginning, is that um, this election is going to be won in Quebec. Yes. So we we, we kind of don't know. But as of right now, the math, it does not favor Aaron O'Toole. But what is clear is that we're definitely going to have a minority. And even if the liberals win, which they likely will, they'll have a weakened minority, which brings us back to what we've talked about before. What was the point? Mm-hmm. You just listened to episode 68 of The Trip. Kofi, it was a real pleasure having you join us and bringing all of your background, all of your insights, all of your intelligence to help us make sense of the debate and the election coming up on September 20th. You'll join us again soon, right? Yeah, definitely. This has been a, a real pleasure of mine. You guys are are, are great. Um, you know, um, love talking uh, politics, of course. Love talking about uh, racialized communities, Black communities, and and what they mean to this country and, and why it's so critical for us to be uh, engaged uh, in every aspect of public policy and decision-making. So I really appreciate the work you guys are doing and uh, uh, always an honor. And, and we'll be here anytime uh, uh, you, know, you guys want me to, uh, to come. Ah, yeah. (laughs) And thanks to you, our listeners, for continuing to rock with us. We're releasing pods on a weekly basis to cover Election 44, so subscribe to stay up to date. You can also keep up with us on our Instagram and through our Patreon pages dedicated to the podcast. Follow us or support us at TheDripTO. You know, we love our many non-BIPOC listeners, but a message specifically to our Black listeners... We hope that you know this is a safe space for you. So if you have any questions or or feedback, feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Toronto's very own Be On Location for the sounds you're hearing now. You can find more tracks from him wherever you get your music. See y'all next time.
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 